If you have your Bibles with you here this uh, evening, you want to turn to the book of uh, Jonah for just a minute, the second chapter. Again, Jonah chapter 2, and you can mark that place for just a moment. We'll uh, get to the book of Jonah chapter 2 in a little bit. But I want to begin this evening in the gospel according to Mark. Again, the gospel according to Mark uh, chapter 1. So if you brought your Bibles, and if you don't have one, there's probably one to few right there. Uh, but you can turn into the Old Testament, to the book of Jonah, chapter 2, uh, and you can also go back and go ahead and turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1. I think it's easy and safe for us all to say today that there's a lot of things in life we need help on. Now, if pride sets in and we feel like we don't need help, then may God humble us. But I believe that you may have the magical formula, but folks, I need help bring. I struggle with prayer. That's not something you want to hear a preacher say, is it? But I struggle with prayer. I can't tell you how many times when I prayed and it seemed like I, my words get about to the ceiling and then they just turn right around and fall back on me. Can't tell you how many times that I've tried to pray and all of a sudden I'm thinking about maybe what I'm going to eat in a minute. I try to start praying at home and all of a sudden I'm thinking about, well, what am I going to do when I get outside? Folks, it's not easy always to pray. That's why the scriptures over and over and over again teach us not only the importance of it, but guide us on how we should pray. Now there's a model prayer. We may or may not get there tonight, but the model prayer is not that we repeat that verbatim word for word, but it's an idea that we we recognize reverence, we recognize the need that we have in our life, and we have to acknowledge the one that can answer the things we stand in need of. Jesus was performing these miracles. And here in Mark chapter... One, we're going to see that Christ himself is going to pray. And I want to skip down to Mark chapter 1, and I want to skip down to about the 35th verse. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, talking about Jesus, it said, he went out, and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. This evening, a deserted place. Solitary is a word that actually means deserted. When you start thinking about a deserted town, a deserted building, it's a place that you're thinking, one, that nobody occupies that. And folks, that is the best place to commune with God. Amen. Now, do I believe we can pray in, in, in public place? Yes. You can be in the middle of Times Square with a multitude of people and you can still pray. But folks, there's something special about getting in a deserted, desolate place and talking to God. Let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes when we're praying out loud, we wonder if we say the wrong things, what people's going to think. We worry about things. If we, if we get an altar, what's somebody going to think about us? But you see today, we all need a deserted place in our life. It's a place that is free from a lot of things. Deserted buildings, deserted towns, deserted lands and properties. It means nobody occupies those very places. And we see here that in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, talking about Jesus... There's some people that do not feel like it's important to pray. 
But folks, if our Heavenly Father can come down out of heaven and He found it necessary to pray, folks, by all means, it's important for us that we need to pray to God. Yeah. Folks, if Jesus needed to pray, do you think we should not? Absolutely do we have a need in our life for that. In Jesus, it says that He went out and departed into a solitary place. We as a sinful people today... A holy Jesus need, felt the need to commune with God and the sinful people. I pray that we would never get to a point in our life where we felt like we did not have to pray. And we're going to read some of these places in just a minute. But it says that it rising up a great while before day, he went out. I'm glad today that we can understand that prayer is something that is important to us. Folks, our walk and with, and with the Lord and being saved all began with a prayer. Not just a, a magical prayer that somebody told us or a magical prayer that, that we decided that we were going to sign or something we was going to repeat. But it was out of necessity is where prayer is born at. Folks, prayer is born in the midst of trouble. When a soul is in trouble, a person, a human being, is understanding and born is what they understand to have prayer with God. And we see here that Jesus, it said, he went out, it says, and he departed into a solitary, or as we might even say, a desert place, and there prayed. You know, Jesus saw the need that he needed to pray. He wanted to talk to God. He wanted to be sure that he and God were, were, were in unison and in fellowship and in harmony. And they are in harmony. Folks, I'm glad today that there's harmony between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. But folks, there can also be harmony with us. We can have harmony if we have the Spirit of God inside of us. But it happens because we get into a deserted place and we pray. Sometimes we get this stigma. Sometimes we get this idea that only weak people pray. Sometimes we get this idea that only sinners can pray. Sometimes we get this idea only those that their life is about to absolutely fall apart. Or as I sometimes call it, the cracked egg syndrome. Sometimes we feel like those are the only ones that can pray, folks. Jesus was not a sinner, but He prayed. You see today, just because that, that things are well in our life does not mean that we are exempt from praying. Just because things are where you want them to be in your life, we've achieved the things that we desire to achieve. They're still important for us to find a deserted place and pray. And it says, He began to rise up a great while before day. The, 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 the strongest of human beings that we've known in a spiritual sense, the, 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 very, uh, the most knowledgeable person still found a need to talk to God. What is your reason for not talking to God? Maybe that's something you can ponder here this evening. Why would you not talk to God? Why would you not commune to Him? Why would you not go into a deserted place? Sometimes we think if we go into that place, people are going to say, well, what are they doing there? Why are they in this deserted place? But it's okay, folks, for we have to get to a place in our life. We're not worried about what everybody else thinks. It's absolutely necessary that we get along with God. And I believe that when we get along with God, amazing things are going to happen. It starts by getting saved, and there's a lot of other things that are going to happen. And we'll read even in Jonah in just a minute. But God is going to hear the prayers of a true, broken, and contrite spirit. God's going to hear that. And when God hears that prayer, things are going to change. Now, we are going to see with Jonah that he was one that kind of rebelled against God, but God still brought him to a place and he been and Jonah began to pray unto him. But here we're seeing that Jesus has said, rising up a great while before 
day, a great while before day. I don't know how many of you are morning people. I don't know how many of you are early risers. I don't want to get into a competition where who gets up the earliest in the morning. Sometimes we kind of, well, I get up this early. Well, I get up this early. Whatever your normal is, what if you were to have to get up a great while before that? It's not easy, is it? You see, in order to get along with God, sometimes we feel like it's easy. Is there anybody here that seems like it's just sometimes a struggle to talk to God? I may be the only person you may say, Preacher, you have fallen off the wagon. But folks, I'm telling you, along the way, sometimes we find it hard to commune with God. And just like Jesus woke up early in the morning because there was a need that He might talk to His Heavenly Father. When's the last time you sacrificed just a little bit of the comforts of your life in order to talk to God? We are a busy society. I'm amazed at all the things that we have and all the, 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 the items you might even say at our fingertips that, that we have before us to speed our life up and to make things even better, to give us more time. But yet we struggle to find time to get into a deserted place. You see, a deserted place is going to take a conscious effort for us to get all along with Him. And, and we even talk about that, 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 that the Scriptures teach us that we encourage to enter into a closet so that we might be able to talk into Him. Jesus, it says here, that He rose up a great while before day. You know what? I'm not about so much what time you have to get up in the morning. I think the idea should be more to be understood is when's the last time that we sacrificed? When's the last time that we made an effort to say, Lord, here I am. Lord, I need to talk to you. Lord, I've got something on my heart. Lord, I've got something I need in my life. And you know what? We have a lot of needs in our life. And it says that Jesus was rising up a great while before day. Not many of us, and I say not many of us, sometimes I do find it a struggle to get up in the morning, I have to admit sometimes that bed feels pretty good. If we're honest with ourselves, and I'm going to have to rephrase how I'm wording this. If I'm honest with myself, sometimes we get way too comfortable in this world and we think, Lord, I don't have time to commune with you until the wheels do fall off the wagon. And then we say, Lord, I need you all of a sudden. It's that spare tire. We're going to pull you out of the trunk and we're going to put you to use. Why? Because we got a flat. There's a need in my life, folks. He's not a wishing well. He desires that we would commune with Him. If Jesus, our Heavenly Father, could come down out of heaven, take on flesh, and yet still find time where it says that He would rise up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Why do we have to rise up first thing in the morning and we have to go out and to pray? You see, I love uh, the, the idea that, that, that Jesus talked about in a time of resurrection, out of your sleep, it's time to talk to the Lord. You see, folks, when your soul is resurrected from a dead sinful state, that's when you begin your relationship of talking to God. And you know what? When you get saved, it's not like you got about a two-minute phone call to heaven and then you got to give get off the phone. You know what happens when you get saved? you got a direct connection to the very throne of God. And it never goes out of business. You're never out of time. He's never too busy. You're not going to get a busy signal or uh, the the line cannot be reached. Folks, we can always access Him. Aren't you glad today that when Jesus awakened from a sleep, that He began to say, it's time to talk to my Father. Folks, if you're here this evening and you have resurrected from your dead sinful state that you are in and your soul, it's time for us to talk to God and continue to talk to God and rise up in the morning. Why? Because we are resurrected again. 
again. For in the book of Psalms, I, I want to read you a verse, if I may. Psalms chapter 30. Uh, just, just keep holding on to Jonah. We'll be there in a minute. But Psalm 30, and in verse 5, says this. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Amen. You see, Jesus woke up early in the morning. You know what I've learned about pain? You know what I've learned about hurt? You know what I've learned about all the things in our life? There's an end to them. You know... Darkness is something that, matter of fact, it's setting in. If you look outside, darkness is about to settle in. But you know what? You give it enough time, this darkness is going to succumb into a sunrise, and we're going to get the dawning of a new day. And all of a sudden, that sun, it may be awfully hot, but it sure is going to be awfully bright too. You see, that sun is going to shine, and it's going to overcome darkness. I can tell you this about all of your sorrows in life. I can tell you this about all the hurts you have in your life. There's going to come a morning. There's going to come a morning that that sun's going to rise up, and may we arise and begin to commune with God like Jesus did in this solitary place, and He began to pray. Psalms here in his 30th chapter talks about how that there is the promise of a resurrection. There is the promise that we are going to rise again. And when we arise from our sleep, it's not time for us to walk around uh, as sleepy people or as dead people. We're supposed to be alive. Is there anybody here besides myself that's ever kind of got up in the morning but you didn't really want to open your eyes and you run into about four things along the way? It's because we're not awake. We're kind of sleepwalking, you might even say. You know, as Christians, we shouldn't be sleepwalking through this world. We arise and we begin to commune with our Heavenly Father. And we're about His business while we're here in this life. But it all begins in getting in this deserted, this very desolate place and beginning to talk to Him. For it said, He got in a solitary, deserted place and there prayed. Aren't you glad today that we can commune with Him? That, that we, we may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. We read also there in the book of Psalm, in verse 5, it says, My voice, uh, thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. You know, he's talking about how that he's going to commune with the Lord, and he's going to commune with him in the morning. You know what, folks? I found out if your day begins with the Lord, you're going to have a whole lot better day if you try to begin your day without the Lord. He's there with you. But I wonder how many of us wake in the morning, we put our feet on the ground, and we take off, and not that we can, but in a, in a, in a sense, we kind of want to leave him behind. You know what? I pray that you invite him into your day every day. I pray that you wanted to be a part of your day. I hope we don't wake up and say, Lord, I've got this day on my own. I hope we don't wake up and say, Lord, I can do this without you. I hope that we see there's a need in our life. For there in Psalm 63, it says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. You know, I believe today that not only do we have to uh, seek the Lord earnestly, but this earnestly means in the morning, and we have to seek Him all the day long. You know, when we talk about the morning, and when Jesus uh, began to, to rise up, way, as he, said, uh, he says, a great while before day, He went out and departed in the solitary place, and there prayed. Folks, I want to tell you, prayer is not reserved for Sunday morning. I believe prayer is something we need every day when we wake up. Prayer is something we always are in need of. And you see here that, that we can understand is that there's a time that we... We need to commune with Him all the day long. So if you go back to the book of Genesis, and you'll study that for just a minute. I don't want to get into it. But when God created uh, the heaven and the earth, He also created day and night. That's what God did. God created the days, and God also created the night. But in doing that, He wasn't putting a time on it. Time is something that we develop later on, but He didn't put a, a time on it. He was trying to describe the difference between 
uh, the, 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 the situation or the settings or maybe even uh, the circumstances that was around them. There's daytime and there was nighttime. You see, in our life, I believe there's two different times in our life. I believe there's a time when we're in darkness and I believe there's a time when we're in light. I believe, folks, we're either saved or we're lost. And this morning, this evening, I should say, which condition are you in? But for those that, that are here and those that may hear this very word, this very message today, where are you at today? Jesus woke up, he said, very in the morning, he said, he was rising up a great while before day. But you see, Jesus realized that if he was going to begin a day and he was going to commune with God, it was important for him to begin his day with prayer. You know what today I believe sometimes we take prayer uh, and we kind of just uh, minimize the power of it. Folks, let me tell you something about prayer. It'll change things. Prayer is something very important. I believe that it can add to a life. I believe it can change a life. I believe it can do a lot of things. And we're going to talk about some of those here in just a minute. But God is able, if we would allow Him uh, to begin our day, rising up a great while before day. You see, there is something that was important to Jesus when He began to wake up that morning. And He needed to talk to God. You know, sometimes we say, well, let me, let me get around the right person or the right place and I'll find time to pray, folks. I hope that we always have time to pray to God. I hope that we always can talk to Him. I hope we can get in a, uh, a very deserted place and we can get along with Him and we can say, God, help us because He said He got into a solitary place. I've already said and I believe this. You can pray in public. I, I believe in that. You can pray in public. You can pray here. You can pray in, in, in stadiums. You can pray in the middle of the streets. You can pray pray in, in the most busiest of places. You can pray. But really, truly, it's not going to come down about the number of people that's around you. It's about the place that you're going to commune above the mercy seat. A place that we call an altar that you're going to commune with God. Today, folks, when's the last time you really talked to the Lord? You know... I love it when, when people get saved and they just pray and they don't know the verbiage, as we might call it, of how to pray. They just say what's on their heart just like he's a person sitting next to them. And you know what? He really is a person, but he's not sitting right next to them. He's sitting right inside of them. He's in a boat with them. And we see that Jesus, the priority says, but he got up, he said, in a very private place, a solitary place. And he says, and there pray. I'm glad this evening that we can get to these solitary places and we can pray. If you mark your Bibles into the Old Testament, I want to turn back for just a minute to the book of Jonah, if I may. Jonah chapter 2, if you mark that. I've been studying Jonah a lot here lately. Last several months I've been reading about Jonah. And I can relate to Jonah in the sense of when God tells you to do something, your first instinct is opposite of that. It's what Jonah did. God said go to Nineveh, he didn't. So let's begin in the second chapter. In the very first verse. Then Jonah prayed into the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. I have a feeling, according to the scriptures, and just by naturally understanding, I think Jonah was in a deserted place. I don't think there was anybody else in there with him. When's the last time he was in a fish's belly? And somebody was right there beside you. Spiritually, we all say, I was in a fish's belly. But the truth is today, folks, that's where we have to get to in our heart. And we get all alone with the Lord. And you know what? It's sad that Jonah had to do that. 
God said, I want you to go. And you know what? He says, no, I'm not going to go. He began to flee into him here. And you know what happened? We, you know, a lot of times people get kind of uh, downtrodden and depressed when they're just all alone. And you know what? I want to take a step to the side just a second. God intended for companionship. That's why he sent the disciples out two by two. We, we need help along the way. We, we need that, and I believe in that. But folks, I want to step back into the, the, the realms of our thought here this evening. There is nothing wrong with being all alone with the Lord. There is nothing with being all alone with the Lord. People might look at the book of Jonah and thought how terrible it is that a person disobeyed God and they had to be in a fish. But thanks be unto God that in a very fish's belly you can still talk to God and be all alone with Him. Aren't you glad for deserted places? None of us want to be in those deserted places. But you know what, folks? If that's what it takes in your life for you to talk to God, then I pray that He would put every one of us in the very belly of a fish and that we might do as Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1 said, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I don't know. You know, one of the big things going on now is, and I've only done them once, but they have these escape rooms where you go into them and you got to figure the tricks and the clues and how you're going to get out of them. Folks, when you get in the fish's belly, I think you only got one tool to get out, and that's God. Amen. I believe when you're lost tonight and you need to be saved, you only have one tool that you need to get out of the lost condition you're in, and that's the Holy Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus. That's all you have is Jesus. Folks, Jonah got into a place in his life and notice what happened. He had one thing that was available to him and it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. It's well documented that there's not a, an atheist in a foxhole. I had a, a great uncle of mine that talked about how uh, that when he was in the service, but it was during the Vietnam, he talked about he got saved in a foxhole. I always hear people talk about there's no atheist in the foxhole. I've never been in the fish's belly, but I don't think there's going to be an atheist in the fish's belly either. There's not an atheist that's lost right now. Ponder that just a minute. For they know that God is... Just because they don't believe in God doesn't mean God is holding them accountable for their lost sinful condition. Let me word that a little bit different. You can deny the fact of God... But that still doesn't change your sinfulness that you need to be saved. doesn't change it. And we see here that Jonah got into a terrible situation. Don't you wish that we didn't, again, don't you wish things would not get bad before all of a sudden you commune? It says all of a sudden that, that Jonah says he prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. But notice what he did. He says, hey, God, here's what happened to God. Instead of Jonah going into a deserted place and talking to God and God saying, I want you to go on an interval and preach to the people. Instead of him getting alone and God teaching him and he following after God, you know what God had to do? Instead of Jonah willingly go to that place and cut off everything else, God put him in a place and shut off everything else. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, tonight? We can either go or God can get us. Do you believe in that tonight? Do you believe that God can get us where we need to be ourselves? That's exactly what happened with Jonah, my friend. He could have on his own commune with God, but instead he rebelled against God, but God still shut off everything in his life, and he got him in a desolate place right in the very belly of a whale. And you know what? It brought him to a place he needed to be, for it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. 
That 15th verse is bad enough of the first chapter. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. We're talking about the Mediterranean Sea without a life jacket or any kind of a, a life preserver. Folks, that's bad enough. But you know what? Not only was he cast into the sea, he was devoured by a fish. You tell me God cannot do extreme things to get us where we need to be? I pray that God would not have to do that. And notice what he said in that second verse. And I cried by reason of mine, of mine affliction unto the Lord. You see, I believe that Jonah was physically hurting. Never been in the fish's belly. I, I hope I never have to. Spiritually, I've rebelled against God, though. And I'll tell you, I think there's probably some discussion, and you can feel free to chime in sometime if you want. But sometimes our spiritual conditions can linger over into our physical conditions. Absolutely, just wear you down running from God. He says, and I cried by reason because of, he said, mine affliction unto the Lord. I believe Jonah was in danger of dying. I believe he was in trouble. But, but notice what he said. Skip down to about the sixth verse of Jonah chapter 2. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, and earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Jonah had gotten a pretty low state in his life. I believe Jonah was in a deep trouble. Let me ask you this. What kind of state was you in when you got saved? What kind of state were you in? I know for me, I was to a very broken state. You know, a lot of people think that was weakness. That that was God showing me the need that I had for Him in my life. God did. He did. He broke me down. He humbled me. And if I would have just done it on my own and sought after Him, but instead He broke me down. He brought me down. He, he, he took away everything that was around me. Still had all the things that I had. But yet I was all alone. And I can be much like uh, Jonah did here. He says uh, that the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. O Lord my God. Aren't you glad today that we can be brought up out of the condition we're in? Get in a deserted place, but here's the thing. When Jesus got in that place and He started praying, folks, God's not going to leave us there. He's going to bring us out. We're going to go back in. He's going to bring us out. We still commune with God, but He's going to bring us out of that. He's going to deliver us from that. And Jonah, we see here, got to that place that he began to commune with the Lord. And you know what happened? Uh, another phenomenal thing happened all of a sudden uh, that, that Jonah uh, come out of the fish's belly. He was... I spit upon the lamb there and all of a sudden he began to go and do what God had him to do. Tonight, do you believe that God has a work for you to do? Do you believe that God is calling and I believe He's calling for salvation. I believe He's calling people today uh, for a lot of things. And I pray today that we would listen to Him. You see, Jesus never taught His disciples how to preach, but He definitely taught them how to pray. I want you to soak that up for just a minute. He never had to teach them how to preach. But he had to teach them how to pray. Now, preacher, we can't teach people how to pray. Jesus did. He taught them how to pray. And it's okay for these little ones, and it's okay for the oldest one here, to get in a deserted place and talk to God. We have certain areas that are off limits to kids. Well, there's some places off limits to adults. The top of a tree is probably one of them. Let the kids climb the trees. We need to stay on the ground. But folks, there's one place we all belong. 
in a deserted place talking to our Heavenly Father. We have that in our life. We have needs of that in our life. And we see that Jonah had got to that place that, that, that in the very midst of all of his trouble and sorrows that he began to commune with God and talk with God. And God delivered him out of the trouble he was in. Through all the miracles that Jesus has done, I want you to go back and look at how prayer was linked to every one of those. How it, how it happened and how that the people of Israel prayed and, and how that the disciples would pray and how the church, you really want to read about prayer, get in the book of Acts and read about the church and the prayer that they had and the results that came from prayer. Folks, prayer is not a box that we check off in the service or something we do in our life. It's how we keep a relationship with God. It's important that we keep that relationship with Him and may we be much like here, not just the early church, but much like Jesus when he was performing these miracles. He says in the morning, he was rising up a great while before the day. He wanted to know what God's plan was for him. He knew it. He just needed that confirmation. And he went out and departed into a solitary place. But when he got to that solitary place, he didn't just stop and say, what am I doing here? Go back and read Jonah again. Did Jonah ever say, well, what did I do? He knew exactly what he had done. He knew exactly why he was there. And he knew exactly what he needed to do. I can tell you all day long, this just didn't right. This just didn't fair. I don't know why. But I'll tell you this today, folks. You know exactly why and where you are in your spiritual life. And I pray that we would be much like Jesus. The very Holy One from Heaven saw it necessary to pray to His Father. May we not neglect the importance that we too would get in a deserted place and talk to our Heavenly Father too. I want us to get a song this evening. That's the things that I felt like I needed to say. Tonight, are you in a deserted place? You know, some people just get in that, I'm all alone, I don't have anybody. You've got, you've got the Lord there with you. May you heed that opportunity that God has given you. May you seize it. And may you use it as an opportunity to strengthen that relationship with Him. What a chance if you'll sing the song you picked out.